Hey, before we get started with today's episode, I want to let you know that if you're planning for retirement or aren't sure where to start, we have a helpful checklist for you. We put together a guide called Your Pre-Retirement Checklist and have made it available for free on our website. This detailed checklist covers things pertaining to cash flow, social security, Medicare, asset allocation, and living a purposeful retirement. The link to download the checklist is listed in the episode description, or you can go to wiserinvestor.com, scroll to the bottom, enter your email address, and then you'll have access to your pre-retirement checklist. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Wiser Retirement Podcast. We cover financial topics such as financial planning, tax planning, portfolio management, insurance, and estate planning, so you too can have a wiser retirement. I'm your host, Casey Smith, guiding you to financial success are my co-hosts, Brad Lyons and Matthews Barnett. Hey, guys. Hi, Casey. How's it going? So uh, <laughs> recently, uh, I had a client ask me, what, what all, how come we don't do these, uh, these dinners? And Because, you know, he he's, gets these flyers in the mail about, about dinner. And uh, I had to explain to him that, you know, a free dinner at Ruth's Chris, well, I'd be happy to take him to dinner. But when you're doing mass workshops at a steakhouse or uh, you get invited to social security seminars at the library or different venues, that there's an agenda. And that agenda is typically run by what I call bad actors in our, in our industry that uh, are trying to sell an annuity. And one of their biggest selling points for an annuity has always been, oh, you won't lose money because it is an insurance product. Uh, At the same time, they talk about income in retirement. And so that's what today's topic's about. It's cash flow in retirement, but it's a real conversation. It's not a conversation that is uh, a bait and switch like so much of our industry does in trying to sell products. But the bottom line uh, is without going into detail about how annuities work is typically the math never adds up uh, when you're, when you're trying to purchase an annuity and there's many things that you can do with your money um, that the annuity companies are doing themselves, except you keep that, that margin, that cost. Uh, And then uh, unfortunately there's, there's a lot of um, push now for 401k plans to have an annuity option. And so you can basically turn over your entire 401k uh, to the insurance company. They're going to pay you X amount uh, per year going forward. And, you know, and I'll admit there's probably only been a small handful. In 22 years I've been doing this, there's only been a small handful of times where I feel like an annuity made sense for someone. And typically it's people who are just really bad with money. They'd had multiple bankruptcies in their lifetime. They're always in debt. And they would spend right through their nest egg if they had access to it, right? Well, it does control your behavior. And that's the whole point of how they sell the annuities. There's various ones, like you mentioned, but the main one being an income source, it's a annuitization and it's a guaranteed monthly payment um, for the rest of your life. And that's what a lot of clients don't really run the numbers to figure out what they could have actually gotten otherwise. But it sounds nice having a, their own uh, monthly pension, basically. So I say create your own pension, which we have a whole podcast centered around around that uh, somewhere in our podcast list. We've got over a hundred now, but um, create your own pension. But that really kind of starts with this journey on how do we set up cash flow for retirement? How is this going to work? And then that's a, that's a very common question we have from everyone who's six months inside uh, their retirement date going, okay, so how do I get money again? 
How, do, how does this work? Yeah, it seems obvious to us, but they've once you've only been saving in 401ks or outside investment accounts, trying to figure out how you actually now get the income is a, a different story. So every family is a little bit different, just like how you're saving for retirement might be a little bit different or how much you're saving for retirement might be different based on your situation. But you kind of have to look at it as you have different tools available to you. So you have Social Security uh, and when you take Social Security. So that that's something you have to solve for. You have um, uh, p- potentially a pension available to you. Uh, you have your, hopefully, a 401k that you've been saving money in available for withdrawal. You might have a Roth IRA, and you might have a brokerage account. So when you're l- sitting down and you're looking at all these different investment options, or uh, cash flow options, I should say, um, Matthews, is there, is, there a, is there an optimal strategy that we could give our, our just general audience? Um, because I think it's very client-specific at times. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the client. Obviously, their tax rate and what else is going on, how much their income need actually is from the portfolio versus other income sources. But kind of the rule of thumb and what uh, our software, Money Guide Pro, is set up as a default uh, on spending order is, uh, you know, your taxable assets being your brokerage funds, uh, and then the tax-deferred accounts like your IRAs, and then lastly, uh, Roth assets, that tax-free income that's grown. Uh, obviously, you can change the spending order. We can change the withdrawal strategies, like we said, based on uh, certain circumstances. But that's kind of the uh, encompassing kind of rule of thumb that you hear mostly. You know, what's interesting is that, you know, as, as an investor, as an as a employee, as a worker, you know, you're saving money, you know, for 30 or 40 years. And here comes the big event, right? You're getting ready to retire. And your mindset at that point in time, and this is what we hear from clients quite often, if not directly, you know, accumulation, 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 invest, 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 invest. But now it's, we need to prepare the portfolio to something a little different, right? We're not actually thinking about spending down the assets, but we're preparing the portfolio to pay out income in a predictable stream to pay the income required above and beyond those secure sources. I think we refer them to refer to them as social security or pension or some other source of secure income. So now the portfolio has to take over the rest, okay, and make up that difference. And ideally, you know, as a as an advisory firm, what we're doing is is we're preparing that portfolio through time for this singular event, if you will. Okay. It's not an abrupt necessarily change. It's something that we we look at over time. And as as clients are getting ready for that event, such as retirement, the portfolio is coming along right along with them, right almost right beside them, if you will. And it's going to be their partner in in their retirement, it's paying out that stream of income that we're going to plan for. But it takes preparation, doesn't it, Casey? It's just not something that can just happen overnight. Um, it's something that we, you know, utilize the investment strategies, investment world of, of, of possibilities in order to get to that point in time for that one client, because it's most important to them, and they're the most important thing to us at that moment in time, to have their portfolio ready to go to pay them out that income over time. And there's, it's no secret, but there's a strategy involved, which I think we're going to get into a little bit later, and, uh, uh, and it works. Uh, and it allows you as, a, as the investor or the asset owner to maintain control of those funds, which is very important because there are still things that happen in life where you need a few extra dollars for from time to time. Yeah, the um, retirement date is, is a day that may, maybe hopefully you get to relax and do some things that you've been wanting to do or meaning to do. But for the portfolio, that's really 
That's when, when it goes when to it's, work. When it's, go, when it's going to go to work. And so there, there's there's many strategies that you can you can do. One of the one of the things we struggle with for young retirees is healthcare. So if if you want to be on the Affordable Healthcare uh, Act platform and get the subsidies, then you're going to have to have um, you can't have too little income. You have to be you can't be below the poverty line for your state, but you also can't be too high either. And so there's this like this sweet spot. I believe um, a married couple. It's probably around what sixty eight thousand. I believe um, you can get as low as thirty, but most of them try to stay under like the sixty eight thousand dollar limit. So that means if you if you're pulling all your money from uh, an IRA or an old four hundred one k, you you could put you over that, right? It's all taxable income because it's all taxable income. So typically, um, we're, we're we're looking at several different strategies. One is Okay, let's keep healthcare costs low until I'm 65. Uh, so that may be one cash flow strategy where you pull from. So you might pull from that Roth earlier. You might pull from the brokerage account earlier in order to keep the um, uh, in order to keep the taxable income down. All you have to worry about maybe is a small amount of capital gains. Yep, there could be zero percent capital gains for some clients at that point, or 15, which is still better than the ordinary income tax rate you would be uh, receiving otherwise. Correct. Uh, and then another strategy that that will deploy too is, you know, we, people who are saving now, you should really make sure you have several buckets. One is taxable money coming out. That'd be traditional 401k, IRA, uh, but then the Roth. So you could do a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA so that you have another option to withdraw tax-free money in retirement. Uh, and then once you're there between age 65 or sooner, if you're not on the Affordable Health Care Act, um, between 65 and 72, when your required minimum distribution starts, you have the opportunity to start uh, converting some IRA money potentially to Roth. Uh, and maybe you get taxed only at 12%. And, and this works where you have basically no in- taxable income, right? So then you'd have um, uh, your income source might be coming from a brokerage account, and then you're convert, you know, 50, 60, $80,000. Uh, from an IRA to a Roth and pay a lower tax rate than what you would pay uh, when you're 72, potentially. Because you can only assume tax rates would have to go up from here based on government spending. I just I don't see how it gets lower for anybody. Yeah, and it's a good problem to have, but you've seen a lot of clients that uh, all they had available to them during their working years were those pre-tax assets, so they did a good job of saving, but uh, come 72, they might not even need those funds, but they've got to take a very large distribution from those IRAs and pay the taxes on it. So uh, like I said, it's a good problem to have. And there's some ways that you could get around that with some Roth conversions or other gifting strategies, but um, just something that you have to uh, prepare for in retirement. And, th- and that's something that needs to be analyzed prior to the end of the year. It's not something you do at tax time. It's something you pick up around September of each year going, okay, this is what my year has been so far. This is what I think is remaining for the rest of my year. And then um, this is how much I could convert. So you start kind of, Quarter, uh, coming up with a game plan in September and you can execute that closer to December. Uh, but the, but the idea there is that you, you want to have that um, opp- opportunity to pay a lower tax. And, and I think this is where financial advising comes in to benefit the client uh, as well as advisors. This is where we step up to show our value because a CPA's job is to have you pay the least amount of tax, right? <laughs> so a lot of CPAs will never suggest that, suggest this because your tax bill would go up and all they hear all day long is, what's the least I can pay? Or sometimes it's better to pay at a lower rate. 
because you're, you know, you're not going to get that lower rate once your required minimum distribution starts at age 72. Or, or pay, you know, if not at a lower rate, at least while in your earning years, for example, where you have the opportunity to replace that money that you're going to spend to the, give to the IRS, you know, in True. taxes when you do make that conversion. So your opportunity to replenish the bucket, if you will, is greater in your earning years. So, you know, it all has to be looked out. And, and as we're saying, what we're creating here is a strategy and a structure to support that strategy, right? You know, it's not just accumulate as much as you can. And we hear all about, and we've been you know, taught, you know, to think, well, it's about a 4% withdrawal rate. You know, those are just rules of thumb. Those are just, you know, old tales that, you know, people. The NFC the or the AFC, so, whoever, and, whoever and we need wins. to stay away from that as much as possible. <laughs> you know? So we don't deploy NFC, AFC strategy? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you know, the Super Bowl strategy. The Super Bowl strategy. Yeah, Who exactly. wins the Super Bowl depends on which way the market's going to yeah. go. You know, so once you have the, the strategy and you create the structure to support the strategy, then it's funding it, and then it's planning for those cash flows, right, in, in retirement. Taking as, you know, tax-free, taxable to f- support the future liabilities of healthcare taxes and you know uh, needs in in your, in your retirement not just your basic needs but all your the fund needs as well right we talk about this quite a bit what do you want to do in retirement what kind tell yeah. us about the the goals and dreams that you have you know the family vacations the trips etc well something that every client says uh, is i want i want uh, peace of mind Remember they they always click that in the less stress less stress peace of mind. Uh, we have sort of this onboarding process that we do and, and figure out where the, what their anxiety points are and, and and that's that's always one of them. And and sometimes you think how could you even be stressed now? But <laughs> but that's something we're always striving for is less stress peace of mind. And you know it, it it's uh, um, that's something that that annuity salespeople will always try to flip on you. To, they'll try to give you this fear. Oh, if you have this, it's secure, and you have this, is you have no problems. And it's a very heavy fear strategy of sales. Yes, to create in the mind of the client the the, the fear of running out of money in retirement and being indigent. I mean, it's just an incredible amount of fear. And then, lo and behold, <laughs> exactly what they have in their back pocket will solve that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we haven't talked about too, but we plan for increased inflation costs, both with healthcare as well as oh, I think inflation. That's a great point. Throughout retirement, a lot of these fixed annuities that they guarantee these payouts aren't even adjusted for inflation. So, if you think of a thirty-year period like we plan to ninety-five, let's say you retire at sixty-five. Uh, you're losing a ton of purchasing power over those 30 years if your benefit is not increasing with inflation. So um, yeah. there's a lot of things that you really need to think besides what that monthly payment looks like. You know, less stress, less stress peace of mind. Um, this is how we solve it. And it's creating a buffer between you and market volatility. So it's really simple. If your portfolio is having to generate $60,000 a year for your income, in addition to your social security, in addition to maybe a pension, then we just multiply that times two. So we're going to keep $120,000 inside a cash account. And the whole purpose is if the market's misbehaving, the world's coming, you know, falling apart, sky's falling. Um, then Brad, you, you don't, you don't uh, liquidate any part of the portfolio to cover those withdrawals. You pull from that cash account. That's right. So that cash account, has two plus years 
worth of payments of to, monthly to the clients mm-hmm. of monthly withdrawals. Uh, and if the market's high, uh, that's when we take our gains and we move it into the cash account for the next two it. years. Mm-hmm. So the cash account could go down to three months remaining before we replenished it, or it might get replenished, you know, only after three months uh, of spending. Right. Uh, but, but the idea is that if you go through any period of time, you know, go, go to Yahoo finance and, and type in S and P 500 and you'll see a chart and you see, you know, just wild and crazy, uh, up and downs, right. At times, but if you look, you go any two year period and you didn't have to do a withdrawal, you're, you're most likely never going to have to sell for a loss. And that, and that's the whole idea. And that allows us in the, on the portfolio management side to be able to take advantage of the situation. So now we could move slightly more toward equities in a down market, or we could sell our bonds for a gain and buy more stock to rebalance the portfolio as we did in 2020. So it, it's, um, it's keeping a level head about you. Uh, and then the other part, the best defense is, is not only having the two year cash bucket, but you're also going to have at least $50,000, if not more in cash reserves yourself inside your own money market account. Right. That's right. And in addition to that, we hope that we've done enough planning with you before retirement that you're debt free. So if you don't have any debt payments, you've got probably a year's worth of reserves on your own plus two years inside a portfolio. Uh, and then the rest of the portfolio is being invested, you know, traditionally, then we can eliminate all that fear that, that they're trying to sell you that annuity for. Cause when they sell you that annuity, the advisor's taking home 10% commission that's when they lock your money at for 14 years, right? <laughs> and your account value is going down each year. Eventually the goal is to deplete it. Or when you pass away, there's no longer assets. I think what we see a lot of clients be really surprised of, uh, in a good way is when you show the cash flow chart in retirement, uh, let's say they have that 4% withdrawal rate. Hopefully their portfolio is getting five and a half percent return. So technically they're not even withdrawing from the principal of the account. And so while they're still withdrawing to live on, uh, to make up for that income gap, their account's still growing uh, for yeah. future future retirement needs, which is a good feeling. All right, to offset inflation, as we mentioned earlier. So it's very important that the investment manager has the option to take market action during this time period of withdrawals or to defer market action and utilize the cash bucket to make those monthly payments to the, to the account holder. Right. So it really gives the investment manager a lot of options in terms of where to draw the money from in order to have both a near-term aspect and a far-term, as far as 30 years, as we talked about, aspect at the same time. Yeah. So it, it's, it's um, it, it, we're able to walk people through this process, but, you know, even if you're a do-it-yourselfer investor, uh, just create enough room between you and the portfolio so that you don't have to take unnecessary action because you needed money. That was a hard lesson for me during the financial crisis um, was having to uh, not have enough cushion, even for working people, because people were losing jobs left and right. But even for working people realizing that, okay, we all need, we all need to make sure that everyone has reserves built up uh, in that kind of situation. And I was a young advisor back then. And that that's where, that's where wisdom comes from, right? Over, over, for me, 22 years. Brad, for you longer. Matthews, uh, how long have you been at this? 15? Going through that. 
through the recession. <laughs> I've seen the recession firsthand, so uh, that that was a big one. Yeah, so that, that's that's where you know uh, get some street cred uh, during that whole process. But you have to have cash reserves um, to make the whole make, to make the whole thing work. Uh, but then ultimately for taxes, as as Matthew said, you you probably pull in from brokerage account, uh, IRAs, and then Roth accounts uh, in that order um, to optimize your retirement. But again, uh, we have to develop a strategy for each individual person because each one has is is a little more uh, unique than the other. Absolutely, and, and we haven't talked about this since kind of getting ahead. But obviously, the with the rules to the changes of uh, IRAs, um, some clients might. Uh, want for legacy planning to keep that Roth. So rather than if they needed the Roth up front, they might want to delay that so that it's uh, passed on tax-free to uh, their their beneficiaries as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, ch- kind of transition out of, um, uh, you know, cash flow and retirement. Um, it, it's, well, I guess it's still related uh, is is the inflation component to it? Matthew alluded to it earlier. It's easy to calculate retiring today. It's hard to stay retired twenty years from now, especially if you're retiring younger. So you have to build in inflation. That's tough right now because inflation what, over eight percent now over the last twelve months. Yes, it is. So so we're not building in eight percent inflation into our plans, uh, partially because we don't believe that that it's going to stay at eight percent. It's going to come back down closer to three. Fed, Fed says two <laughs> at some point, <laughs> at some point. Right. Um, well, historically it's been that even with the the seventies and early eighties. So, um, it's kind of the, the ballpark you want to, uh, uh, try to, uh, plan for. If we plan for 8% inflation, these numbers are going to be uh, pretty significantly different. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You do need almost probably four times what you have now. Uh, so you don't, you don't want to account for that, but you do want to account for a two and a quarter percent pay increase every year to keep up with basic inflation. And I've always say retiree inflation is not the same as working people inflation. That's a great point. And that's what I was just thinking of is that we all experience inflation a little bit differently based upon our circumstance. For those of us who own homes right now, we're not experiencing the cost of housing inflation. Okay? Right. Our housing costs are fairly fixed. For those of us, for those who will be buying homes in the near future, this is a real inflationary cost in their life. For people who are out looking for a new car, they're experiencing car and cost inflation. Right. We all tend to experience it through energy costs and food costs, right? But those tend to be stripped out of the inflation numbers that, that we see uh, because they're variable by region as well. So we all experience inflation a little bit differently. And so you can't peg the eight, eight and a half percent because we're not all experiencing eight and a half, but we're all experiencing some level of inflation. And in retirement, as you mentioned, we want to have all the debts paid off so we're not incurring extra interest costs. We want to have as many variable costs set aside in um, a pool of dollars in an emergency fund so they can easily be taken care of. And that way it keeps not just our cost low, but it keeps our exposure to inflation as low as possible as well. The uh, the best way to simulate that um, in, you know, DIY planning is, is probably just to reduce your, your rate of return. So if you have, um, if you're calculating a 7% rate of return per year, reduce that by two and a half percent. And that would help you make sure that you, cause you should outperform that. Right. And so yes. outperformance would be, would be, inf- would be inflation. Um, I think Matthew's wrote a, you wrote a blog on the rule of 72, didn't you at one point in time? Yeah, I have. Um, kind of like you said, the, the rule seventy two is divide seventy two by the the return, and that's how long it would take your assets to uh, to double. So you use that with inflation, 
Yeah. Okay. True. So let's just take an easy, you know, three percent inflation or four percent inflation, divide it into to seventy two. So if it's two percent, uh, it's easy. As thirty six years from now, everything's going to be doubled. Okay. Yeah. If it was four, it'd be eighteen years from now, everything would be doubled. That loaf of bread, that gallon of gas, the right. you know, the electric bill, etc., is all doubled, and this all has to be considered in a expanded lifetime that we have now. We're planning out to age ninety-five for a retiree at sixty-five, so it's going to double in their lifetime easily. So, talking about that, let's let's um, we got a few minutes here uh, before we wrap this up. Let, let's let's shift gears just a little bit, Brad, and let's let's talk about uh, bonds right now. So we have a high inflation environment. We have a, uh, bonds that are not performing how people view bonds. I, I can't remember a time in, in my lifetime where I've seen negative 4% uh, bond, bond portfolio. And, and that's totally the point. I don't mean to interrupt, but that's the whole point right now is that we've been in a 50-year bond bull market. Yeah. Okay. Nobody has essentially seen this money managers professional money have they not talked seen about this. it for years oh and absolutely been they prepared for it yeah, for years. but it never happened it never happened right. now it's happening okay but you have cross currents that are occurring at the same time you have rising interest rates you have inflation you have the fed's balance sheet that they're trying to reduce they've stopped buying bonds so that produces less liquidity in the system they're going to withdraw bonds from the system now off the treasury's balance sheet and that's going to reduce liquidity in the system so you have all these cross currents that are going on at the same time the only thing that we can kind of look at and plan for is the expectation that the fed is going to raise rates they've raised them once at at this point in time already and they expect to raise them throughout the year 2022 and into some 2023 so that's the one thing that we can count on now the question and what we can look to is is the bond market itself and the bond investor. How have they reacted? Remember, the, 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 the markets are a futures discount place. So it's trying to read the future and discount that back to today and price it in today's dollars. Well, as you've mentioned, Casey, we've seen negative 4% returns on bonds. This is unprecedented in our investment lifetime, if you will. So why don't we liquidate and sit in the sidelines until it gets better? Well, that's a great that's a great question. I mean, and all investment managers need to consider that relative to the long term effects on a portfolio. Well, right now we believe that the, the the market is fully priced in. So these interest rate raises that the Fed's going to do has pretty well baked into the today's prices. Okay, we may see a little bit further reduction, but but not another four percent that we that we've already seen. When we're looking at portfolio management and looking at the expected returns across different asset classes and trying to predict a higher probability of a rate of return in order to achieve a retirement objective, these market movements are already into baked into our assumptions. They're already in our assumptions when we're when we're looking at these long-term rates of returns. So now any new money that's going into the bond market is buying it at a discounted rate. You're buying it at the current interest rate, even though the coupon that's being paid on those bonds remains the same. The valuation of the bond has adjusted to make that rate equal to new money and new investments in, in, in bonds themselves. So the, the reason to continue to invest in bonds now is that new money is getting a higher interest rate paid on that money going forward. And so they are going to continue to work behave as we expect them to 
going forward now. But we, so I guess essentially when you, when you're buying a bond fund, the, the fund has to liquidate because if you own a long-term bond fund after a couple of years, those bonds are no longer long considered long-term. They're getting closer to the maturity date. So they move to intermediate, then they move to short-term. So as those bonds are being sold, those bonds are get sold for a loss now, but then that new money comes back in and is buying bonds at a higher yield. Correct. Right. So that's going to take some time to sort through that. I think in the ag, it takes about seven years for it to completely cycle through. That could be because the duration is around six to seven in the, in the U S ag. So that could very well be the case. That's why we have deconstructed the ag in our portfolio and utilize those different time frames of short-term, intermediate-term, and long-term to take advantage of how quickly bond managers and these index funds can recycle, as you're essentially saying, those right. bonds that are in there as they mature or mature out. So if inflation is 8%, my bonds are down 4%, so my cost of living is going up, again, why do I have a bond in my portfolio? I mean, is it just, is it there only for, for risk management? Is that, is that the, is that the purpose? I mean, cause we are getting a yield, but the yield's smaller, right? Yielding what? One and a half, 2% now, uh, on, on shorter term, shorter term bonds. So the yield's not real big. Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm paying devil's advocate. I know the answers. <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> well, but risk the, management you know, is a, is a huge part of, of, of investment management, portfolio management, managing the risk. Risk is not a flaw of equities, okay? Risk is the benefit yeah. of, of, of equities, but it has to be managed. It has to be properly adjusted in a, in a portfolio. When I say it's not a flaw, it's the fact that equity prices will go up and down from time to time, the benefit is, is that they go up. And that's why it's called the risk premium. If If equity prices always went up, there wouldn't be a risk premium. Everybody who invested them and, and the risk would be low and so would the return. Yeah. The, it's, it's not a flaw that they risk equity prices go down. It's a benefit because that's what creates the risk, which gives us the risk premium, which gives us the higher return in equities over the long period of time. But again, that has to be managed in the short term by utilizing bonds that have a lower risk premium and a lower rate of volatility. So we manage the, the, the bond market by being shorter term, uh, but also uh, you want to have bonds in a portfolio for the black swan event, for the things that we don't know that are around the corner. Uh, and I, I feel like our industry has always tried to predict the future, um, and they don't always do it so well. So there's a COVID crash coming. I don't know that it's COVID this time, but it's an XYZ crash. And it's going to be temporary. It's going to be it's going to be harmful. People are going to get scared, right? But in but the bottom line is that when people get scared. Where do they run to? They run to U.S. Treasuries, mm-hmm. and so that's what we hold in our portfolio. So it's insurance. We're holding insurance, and you know, do you keep paying your house premiums? Uh, your house uh, insurance premiums? Yeah. Has your house ever burnt down? No. <laughs> but what if it did? Well, I have insurance for that, and that's kind of where it. I think that that's the only reason to own bonds at this point. If, if you're a younger person, you're saving, you're, you're probably okay in a 90%, 100% stock portfolio. But as we age, we want to take off that, that risk, that edge of the, of the market, right? And the only way to do that is with short-term bonds. I don't know of any other way 
to replicate that inside a portfolio. I, I, I mean, not without adding more risk to do it. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, so, well, there's no pe- secret sauce. Right. So when people say, and investors say that, look, you know, um, to invest in, you know, a, 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 a fixed rate, a, a bond that's paying, you know, a small amount of return. Okay. What they're and people are saying, well, why are we doing that? I could be getting a higher rate of return in equities. It's that opportunity cost. That's the risk premium. Okay. Right. That's the risk payment to to have a portfolio that can increase in value over time. You pay a little bit of insurance cost by investing in bonds. So it's a known cost going in. It's calculated into it, but you still it needs to be paid in yeah. order to absorb the times when the valuations are, are depressed. So that risk premium is very real and it needs to be recognized. And for long-term investing, these blips in the marketplace, I mean, this blip that we're experiencing now in a year or two on a chart that you were mentioning earlier, you won't even be able to find it, okay? Because yeah. I don't think we're going into a recession, and that's a whole other conversation. Are you talking about the equity side or the fixed income side? The fixed income side, you yeah. know, is, is you won't even be able to see this on a chart in time. Yeah, well, again, if we went into a deep recession, I would think that interest rates have to come back down, bond prices get Go pushed back, back up. up. <laughs> so that part that part of the portfolio would be structured very well for a situation yeah. like that. But ideally, you just it's kind of like, you know, you're getting you're getting bombarded uh, on the fixed income side. You just yes. want to be very short term, very um, uh, high quality, high quality. Protect protect the bond portfolio, uh, and then when interest rates appear to be topping out, you can you come out. It's like the sun's coming up. That's right. <laughs> you come out, and then you want to you, you lengthen your maturity and your duration correct. of the portfolio to take advantage of the higher paying coupon rates. That's correct. So you you know. In the in the storm, you take shelter. When it when the sun's out, you you get out and you stretch your legs, and that's the duration. That's the maturity date. It's a great it goes way out to seven, eight, nine years, uh, and then during the next recession, you're gonna really profit from that on the bond portfolio. It's just it's it's literally. I feel like it's been like three decades that we've been sitting here waiting for all this to take place, and it's just now uh, really hitting. So. Um, so yeah, for retirees and cash flow, um, you got to you got to stick to fixed income. You got to stick to the stick to the model, stick to the portfolio, um, and sometimes you just have to write it out. Sometimes the best answer is is not always um, doesn't always make sense, but we know through throughout history what our highest probability of success is, and that's what we focus on. Which is easier to do when you have a, a plan and have thought that through long term. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to a Wiser Retirement Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you don't miss any new episodes. We would also appreciate if you could leave a rating and review. If you have any questions about anything that was discussed today, head to wiserinvestor.com and reach out. We would love to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Lilton Moore. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.